I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. The holidays are on their way, and they can be a particularly stressful time of year if you don't have a plan. Well, have I got a solution for you? Join my friend Lynn with ConnectFlow Grow in her launch of Stress Less Holidays. Through this live Zoom webinar, Lynn will teach you how to evaluate your stress and develop a plan to reduce it. This is an abbreviated version of her 21-day Stress Less Challenge to give you the best tools in the shortest time frame. A less stress holiday is priceless. Your investment of $17 per person or $2,500 flat rate per organization is the first step towards taking control of holiday stress. Learn more about Stressless Holidays and join by going to my website, stephenmiletto.com sponsors. Click on the ConnectFlow Grow logo and the link will take you to where you can find out more information and sign up. Time for you to stress less during the holidays. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Ken Rusk. Ken started out at the age of 15 digging ditches. In 1986, he started his own business and he didn't look back. He has now written an awesome book called Blue Collar Cash. Love your work. Secure your future and find happiness for your life. Awesome book. So much to learn. Thanks for listening. And by, by the way, before you go, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmiletto.com slash reviews and left a review. Could you do that for me? Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that we'll be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmiletto.com, sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use, and my Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well... Use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmiletto.com slash sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Ken Rusk is a blue-collar construction business entrepreneur who has launched multiple successful endeavors over the last 30 years. For the first years of his young working life, he dug ditches for a basement repair company in northern Ohio. Over the years, he dug his way to a good life, one shovel of dirt at a time, and is now teaching others to do the same. Rusk has extensive experience in hiring, training, and developing first-time job seekers, particularly those without college degrees. He lives in Toledo, Ohio, where he runs Rusk Industries Incorporated. Ken, thanks for joining me today, and say hi to everyone. 
Appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you here. And uh, yeah, this really cool book called Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Your Life. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question about uh, going back to when you started your own business. Uh, In the mid-80s, you started your own business with six people. What do you like about being your own boss? Well, you know, it's it's funny because even back when I was 15 years old, I always liked to work with my hands and I always liked to get involved in things and be outside and doing all that kind of stuff. And I think I think early on I learned that when you're when you're doing a, a good, solid blue collar career or a trade, you get to really control your own input and you get to control your own output because of that. And basically, the two of those combined together allow you to combine or, uh, to control your own income. And uh, so I felt that uh, an enormous uh, sense of control there. And that's what I think the fun part about um, running your own company is there's, there's a lot of new challenges that happen all the time. Every time you think you've seen it all, something else comes along, but um, it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of do your own thing. Um, There's risk involved in that. And there's obviously some trepidation at times, but um, mostly it's, it's, it's been good. It's been a really great ride over the last four decades. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and just, just a note, it's really cool because, I mean, you say you started with six people and, and now I mean, that's that's 86, right, when you when you started? And that so- is correct. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I started early on in actually digging the ditches and running the jackhammers and driving the dump trucks and all that. And that was during the, the summertime when I wasn't in high school. In the wintertime, I would get into the office because I was going to school during the day. So I kind of got a feel for how the whole thing started to work. And then um, at that point, they started opening franchises and I was sent around the country to do that for a while. And and um, then when I was 23, um, yeah, I moved to Toledo and and uh, started my own company and uh and here we are, we started with six and I think we're at nearly 200 now. So it's, it's, it's been quite something over the past uh, few years. That's cool. It's awesome. Yeah, let's, let's kind of shift into your book now, Blue Collar Cash. And in your introduction, you say this, if I had one wish here, if I could accomplish one thing, it would be that every person who is still on the fence about attending college or thinking about making a major change in their work lives, or even those who don't have a clue about what they want to do with the rest of their life, sees that there is so much more out there to be found. Could you kind of give us a little taste of what where you were going with that? Well, you know, I think what happened, and, and you know, this this might be a, a lengthy answer, but what, what happened in back in the 80s is we decided to take shop class out of high schools. And that's a place where, uh, you know, guys and girls used to be able to discover the trades and, and like carpentry and, and bakery and mechanics and plumbing and welding and, and machining and all those kinds of things, woodworking and, and whatnot, electricians. And so that kind of that kind of blocked some people from maybe accidentally discovering those types of, of careers. So you couple that up with um, uh, the advent of computers and we all needed to learn computers. I get that they needed to be into the schools. We all need to learn how to use them, but why was it a binary choice one versus the other? I mean, we could have done both. So if you pair that scenario up with the fact that, you know, kids aren't building tree forts in their backyard, like they used to, they're building on uh, their, their forts on Minecraft on their cell phones, you know? So that whole practical experience, that whole, almost accidental discovery is now gone. And because of that, we have this, the only, the only story left is you got to go to school. You got to get good grades. You got to go to college. 
and then you'll get a good job and then you'll get, you'll get paid and then you can live your life. Well, that, that kind of pigeonholed a lot of kids who maybe were more tactile, you know, more, they, they did more with the, their hands than, than, um, you know, than, than they were great students. And, um, it just seems to me that we need to step back for a minute and say, okay, there's a lot more options than just that one path. And um, there's no stigma to going down these other paths. In fact, the way it is right now, there's huge financial reward in doing so. So I, I really just mean to tell people, step back, look at all your options, and then m- make your decision before uh, before you, you, know, you decide on a long-term career. That's that's awesome. I mean, that's uh, I I love the thought there because you know it's it it is something that you know I understand what they were trying to do a long time ago, but and it's happened in it's not just a long time ago. It's it's happened in like cycles where they came back and did the same thing again and again a couple times. Where the idea is that uh, well we don't need these classes, so we're going to turn what used to be the uh, you know the marine shop where they worked on. Uh, I I went to school in an area in Florida where they had. Uh, um, a couple of different engine shops. One of them worked on vehicles like land vehicles and big trucks and and uh, cars, and another one worked on boats and the marine. And you always knew when they were starting up the big boat engines. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, yeah. <laughs> check Absolutely. that out. And, uh, and and then you know they they replace them with other things, and uh, and uh, lots of that stuff has disappeared, which is uh, unfortunate. And, and we're going to talk more about that though in a minute. You know, early in blue collar cash, you comment. Let's think about that for a moment. Can you grasp the concept? that maybe, just maybe, it isn't so much what you do for a living, but what you do with what you do for a living that matters. Can you talk about that with me? I love this. Yeah, you know, it, it's all in the way you say that sentence. So um, for me, because I knew what I wanted out of my life, and, and this is one of the things that we'll talk about, but I, I'm really heavy individualization, something we don't teach our kids what to do. We, we teach them that at some point, those things just show up in your life. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to visualize what you want out of life and then make a plan to go get those things. Certainly ditch digging was number 99 on a list of a hundred things that I wanted to do for a living. However, it afforded me a great income. It afforded me the ability to control my, my day and, 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 and what I wanted to do for that day and um, the quality of my work and, you know, the feedback that I got. So I said to myself, if I could amass the funding that I need to get the things that I clearly envision in my lifetime, then you know what? Maybe it isn't so important what you do for a living as it is what you do with what you do for a living. And I think that's the difference. You know, there's this, there's this thing when you go to cocktail parties and the parents are standing there and well, my son is going to this college and my daughter is going to that college. Well, what about so-and-so son? Oh, he's just going to be a plumber. And that it always cracks me up when I hear that because it's almost like they're stigmatizing the off the beaten path decision, which used to be the mainstay decision back in the days, by the way. And um, it's, it's, it's something that I, I, I just, I almost want to shock people with that statement because at the end of the day, you, you work so you can live. You don't live to work. And, and I think the living part gets lost in that because you, people don't get to, they don't get taught how to visualize what that looks like. And then what's my best path to getting there? You know, I, lo- I just love the, now I wish somebody had said this to me a long time ago, <laughs> but it, uh, um, but I just love this, this and where you go with this in the book. And I, I think it's just a great thought that, uh, that I, I, you know, I think we need to share with, 
with our children and, uh, and, uh, not just our children. It's also people who think about changing careers and, and, uh, change the pathway and may think that, uh, they, there's nothing out there for them. They've, they've waited too long or something. Well, you know, it's funny as an add on to that story, I happen to know that kid who's the plumber. Okay. <laughs> and he's now got six vans, 12 employees, and he's making well in excess of a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I mean, well in excess. So he, he comes back to me every once in a while and I see him and we have this really fun conversation about, yeah, well, you know, I was just a plumber, but you know, he's, he's doing a great thing. He's helping people. He's employing people. He's learning, a, uh, you know, the skill of running a company and surviving in the United States and in running a business, which isn't always easy to do. And um, so, yeah, we have a laugh about that because there, and especially now, Steve, with the supply and demand issue that we have for workers, there has simply never been a better time to, to be a blue collar worker, to, to get into the trades or into a skill. It, from a financial um, aspect, from the, the, the opportunity to job shop, I mean, you can, you can look at so many different options for the different careers that you want to do right now. And it's just because of the way that we kind of pigeonholed ourselves into thinking it's college or nothing. I, lo- I love that. You know, and it's, it's interesting that with the story that you told, like when I was in college, I worked for a plumber and I, I drove trucks and uh, delivered the, uh, um, water closets and all kinds of fixtures and all kinds of stuff like that to job sites. And it was interesting because the, the town where I was doing all this stuff was a pretty good sized town. And, and, uh, there were like three main plumbers that had, well, actually there were two main plumbers that had grown all the other plumbers. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool because they, they could actually track the lineage back to, and so there were two types of plumbers, those who kept their money and thought about opening their own shop one day. And then those who uh, did other things with their money. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but it was, it's interesting as I read, I thought about those different experiences that I had with the, as people look towards that future and started thinking about that, you know, one of the, yeah. And, and, and the other thing that, you know, we need to talk about is the ease of, of opening your own company. I mean, it used to be that when I first started, we had spreadsheets on paper and graphs and, you know, we'd have to write them in with pencil and keep track of all the numbers and do all that stuff. You know, now you can do payroll on your phone. You can run your payables on your phone. You can accounts receivable. If you have a pickup truck and a, and a good tablet, you're in business these days. I mean, it's so much easier than it was when we started, you know, you didn't have to worry about all those things where you had to know accounting and you had to know payroll and you had to know the ins and outs of workers comp and all that. Well, now all that stuff is kind of automated. So if you're someone that's just a go-getter, you know, don't let opening your own company scare you because it's a heck of a lot easier than it was 20, 30 years ago. That's awesome. That's so cool. I, I, I got to ask you, what was your, do you remember your, your original idea for uh, blue collar cash? I mean, what, what was that thing that said, made you go, I got to write this? Well, you know, I do a lot of coaching and, in and, and again, one of the things that we really like to work on is visualization around here. And um, wh- what I'll do is I'll have the new employees come in and they'll get out a big piece of cardboard and some good old fashioned Crayola crayons 
and they'll draw every aspect of what they want their life to look like. Like what's your comfort, peace and freedom? What's your nirvana look like? And they're all different, which is really cool. You know, we're not all going after uh, mega mansions and, and, and yachts and 15 cars. The, you know, the, your peace, comfort and freedom is, is truly your own. So when I have them draw this picture, they really get into the detail, what kind of pet they want, what kind of charity they want to support, what kind of hobbies they like to do, what kind of sports they like to do, the friends that they have, the house that they live in, the cars or trucks that they drive. And they get a real clear vision for what they want their life to look like. Well, I've been doing this for years and years and years to some pretty good success. And um, people along the, that came along the path with me that, that were involved in that were like, you know, this is really, really great information. Well, in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, I'm going to, you know, there's 200 people here and I, I can really utilize that to, to, to grow this staff. And um, one day my daughter got sick with a pretty uh, serious uh, uh, disease and um, she's okay now, but for several years, it was pretty scary. And um, I remember saying to myself, I need to write a letter to her, to Nicole, to teach her what's really important in life. And um these words, comfort, peace, and freedom kept coming back. And I started writing a letter to her and um, it, it ended up being, you know, 80,000 words. And uh, I, I credit my wife because she said, you need to get this information beyond the four walls of your, of your building. And um, so I, I did. And uh, luckily enough, you know, I found an editor and then a publisher noticed it. And then I had multiple publishers wanting to do it. And, you know, now there's an agent and a PR for, I mean, it's just gone crazy. I didn't think it would go 10 feet, Steve, much less the 10 miles it's gone. And I'm very grateful and very blessed that it has. Well, kudos to you. And it's a, it's, it's, it's an excellent read and uh, very thought provoking and it, uh, and it uh, very telling too. And uh, that's, that's cool though, that uh, <laughs> now you got all kinds of stuff going on with it. I like that. It's, yeah. it, that's awesome. I, so let's kind of get into some of the concepts here. I mean, one of the things that uh, obviously one of the things that's uh, behind this is that there is kind of a shortage of blue collar workers. I mean, what, what's that done to our economy, the U.S. economy? Well, look at it this way. If you if you have a full economy, a full a fully employed economy in the United States, that's about 167 million workers. So 70 million of those workers do something with their hands. You know, they're building bridges or they're you know, doing hairdressing or they're, they're, they're being bakers or cooks or they're welding or whatever it might be. So if, if all of a sudden all the high schools decide that through automation and through, you know, the electronic age and everything that they're now all going to be college prep schools, what are you telling half the students in your high school? that would probably be good welders, carpenters, and plumbers. You're telling them they can't do that. They have to go to college. So I'm not an anti-college guy. I mean, if you're, if you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back on the golf course, which actually happened, I want you to know everything there is to know before you pull a knife out. And same with engineering a building or teaching people something or managing someone's money. You certainly need to know all that there is to know in those fields. And I would encourage you to go to college to get that. But if you're just going for a non-specific business degree, because everyone's telling you, you have to go and you don't necessarily want to go, or you think you'd rather swing a hammer, build a house, um, landscape, a yard, you know, whatever that might be, build things. Um, 
you really need to take a second look at this because the society right now, the trend is um, from parents to teachers to colleges who do a great job of marketing themselves. If you don't follow our path, you won't be as successful as the rest. And, and nothing, Steve, could be further from the truth. So I think that has created this whole supply and demand issue. Number one, because of our economy, you know, being a little more home centered than it was pre pandemic, but also the fact that this stigma is out there that if you're working with your hands, you're less than. And um, that has caused right now for every five electricians whose average age is 55 years of age, who are retiring today, only one electrician is coming online. So you can see the supply and demand issue that we're, we're having, and it's only gonna get much worse, which kind of bodes well for someone willing to do that job. Yeah, I know, and you know, I'm in Georgia here in the US, and uh, um, prior to the pandemic, just a couple of years before that, there was this huge call there, a uh, push to try and figure out how to get uh, um, people to become truck drivers and welders two very um, big areas that uh, had really dwindled. And, and there were others too, like um, plumbing and uh, um, paramedics, that type of uh, program. Sure. And, uh, but I was fascinated by the truck drivers and the, and the welders because both programs that, uh, you know, you could easily see the demise of some of these things happening where, uh, you know, in, in the case of many schools, the welding shops, you know, they broke up those, <laughs> that part of the building and turned it into something else. And, and, uh, um, and, and, you know, the kids had to do it some other way. The same thing with the, in, in similar ways, you had to go find the programs to become a truck driver or such. And, right. uh, and we definitely need them. You know, it's just an interesting uh, aspect of it. So you can see the impact, I guess, is my point. And to the point in our state, what they did was, once again, prior to the pandemic, they were trying to um, have free tuition and such to try and get them into these programs um, to help create uh, the welders and the truck drivers. Well, yeah, and, and, and look at it this way. So this is kind of simple math, but let's assume that you're going to college just to get one of those business degrees and you're not sure why you're going. And by the way, they, I just mentioned almost 40% of college students do that. They go into college not knowing exactly what they're going to do. Another 25% of them, once they decide, change their mind in the first two years. But the most interesting stat is about 30% or so of people who graduate with a four-year degree never use that degree. So they've paid for this thing, in many cases, $160,000, if you think of the average four-year degree being $40,000 a year to go to school, right? All in. Now, let's assume you're that person and you're underwater by $160,000. Let's assume you're someone who went right out of high school and jumped into a trade and you made 40,000 a year for four years. That's a, you can see it, right? $320,000 swing in your asset base from negative to positive. That could have paid for a fully funded 401k, your first house, you know, your car, you're getting yourself set up um, in your life. So you just have to really, I mean, when I tell parents that particular equation, they look back at me like, oh my God, what have we done? Because some of them have four kids and they know two of them maybe weren't college material, but they pushed them through there anyway. And I think to myself, that's a pretty expensive decision to make if you're not exactly sure why you're going there. So I just caution people 
before they make these decisions to step back and say, you know, couldn't I be passionate about, you know, like you said, becoming a, a chef or, or becoming a, a welder or having my own shop or a plumber or electrician or a finished carpenter. Um, it's, it's really something we need to step, step back and take a look at before we just oversupply the market with college degrees that are non-specific, right? It makes a lot of sense. I mean, and, you know, and one of the things, obviously, this is this conversation is lending itself towards, as, as well as your book, is the idea that uh, schools should retake a look at uh, not only retake a look uh, should, but need to take a look at uh, the types of programs they offer. What, what would you, I mean, what sort of advice would you give to a, you know, if you had a chance to talk with an audience of a uh, hundred principals from some area all across Ohio, I mean, what advice would you give them about uh, these types of programs? I think what I would do is I would say, let's let's do this first. I know that most principals' goals are to say, look at all these college prep kids we've produced here. Look at all the kids that have gone on to schools that have gotten degrees. Look, you know, that's kind of our measuring stick as to how we've done. We're, we're doing great because we've done that. I would say, let's look at all those kids four years later and find out how many of them were properly served by that mindset. You know, what's their debt? What's their job? Are they using their, 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 um, you know, the degrees that they got? And then I would say, and once we have that information, you need to understand, and I'll go back to my earlier uh, numbers. If, if almost half of the jobs in the United States are something working with their hands, and you as a principal are producing nothing but 100% college degrees, then you're actually doing a disservice to half of your kids because you're telling them they have to do this when in fact jobs by the millions are going unfilled in blue collar careers that are lucrative. So I would say, should we not reprioritize a, ha a happy, healthy, um, cash positive kid versus just the moniker of I've produced all these college degrees out of my high school. I, I just think we need to take a step back and do that because colleges are really good at marketing themselves. I mean, really good, but I don't really think that's the measuring stick for how well a high school does in my opinion. Oh, I, I love that because that's one of the things that, yeah, it, it, it gets so focused into the data associated with going to college and such that I think they forget about the, uh, you know, other things that interest people. I mean, there's just any number of vocations that uh, um, should be marketed and such. And I think that's so important for uh, kids to have those choices, you know. Well, yeah, and, and those same principals, like the rest of us, are out there complaining because they have to wait two months for an electrician to come to their house. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Yes, I like that. That's, that's that makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the um, and you know, and what an incredible skill! It, you know, when somebody tells you that uh, um, this is wrong with your vehicle or your plumbing in your house is some of that stuff that was shouldn't have been used as as tubing during the um, during the eighties or whatever, and uh, you need somebody to take it out, and they're like, "Well, we got a waiting list for uh, <laughs> for this because I just don't have enough uh, helpers right now." And, right. uh, and you don't have access to many other plumbers. So, you know, just interesting um, thoughts there with, uh, you know, we, we do need to make it accessible. And I, you know, it's cool because I, like I had uh, a, uh, a brother who took uh, a word, woodworking shop and he turned that into a real cool, he was fascinated by cars and he also took auto shop and he turned that into a cool business where 
he he took wood and he would create dashboards that were made out of like cherry and inlays of bird's eye maple and stuff like this. And what a <laughs> it was cool. He combined them. So you know what a neat uh, neat and thing. I tell you what. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that story where someone says, you know, one of my relatives did this and they did that. Um, it, it, it's such a great, um, it's so great to talk to you because when I hear something like that, it kind of reaffirms what we're both saying here, which is, yeah, why aren't we talking more about this? Because, you know, in any other market, supply and demand is a wholly efficient force that if not manipulated, will always typically write itself. Somebody has something, I want that something, I need to buy it. They have a limited supply of those things and the price is dictated by all of that. So the only way you can follow that up is if you try to manipulate the, the supply and demand system. And I think that might be what we're doing to our kids is manipulating that system by oversupplying what the market doesn't need and undersupplying what the market does. That, that's fascinating because it's, you know, so you end up creating just this huge gap. I mean, because basically what we've seen happen is this huge gap. And, you know, the, the pandemic has just made us kind of change our focus for a little bit, but it's still there. And, you know, these, this, this gap, you know, eventually when people return to their jobs and things like this that haven't decided not to, I mean, this is, uh, there's any number of aspects of our, of our society in which, uh, you know, we need people in these positions. And I, I'm going to go back to that story before about, uh, you know, about the truck drivers and the welders. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, there's any number of things that once in a while something breaks and you need that welder. And if you don't have them, we're in trouble. <laughs> well, you know. I love telling stories because I've been blessed in the research for this book to have come across a lot of amazing people. And when I say amazing people, I mean, you know, their, their outcome was amazing, but they weren't, they weren't like Krypton. They weren't special. They were just, they were great people, great hardworking people, but they weren't like, you know, Jeff Bezos type thinkers. They were just normal people. Right. So I had this gal that um, I interviewed and um, she was 27. She started a two-year degree, never finished it, kept going back trying to finish it, never did, um, had a couple of kids. Uh, and then just, that was one of those things, she just wanted to finish it. So she had one class left to take. She asked her friend, what class should I take? And she said, you know, I went to this welding class and it was fun, believe it or not. It was easy. It was fun. Take the class, you'll get your degree and then you'll be gone. So she takes this class. They find out that she's pretty good at it because she's patient, right? Which females are much more patient than males, I think, sometimes in these careers. But she's very patient. She's very talented. She's very skilled. And she becomes this welder. They hire her before the class is even finished. And to this day, she's now standing on top of 300-foot windmills, welding things, making $150,000 a year. And she's literally 28 years old. Nice. Very so nice. Th those stories are, are, are many. It isn't like that's some lottery winner. You know, th this is out there. This is available. And if you're just willing to go work, you're going to find it. Believe me. That's so cool. That's, and, and, and you're so right. Let's, let's kind of talk a little bit about I mean, what are some of the life skills that a blue collar worker needs? I mean, to be successful. What do you, you want to talk about that just a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, I used to think that um, entrepreneurial um, people, you know, they had all those characteristics that I mentioned in the book, you know, like like humi- humility and patience and faith and courage and all those kinds of things. And, and, and I have to tell you, in my experience, once somebody has lit up their mind with what they want their life to look like, once they have a pretty solid idea of, you know, what their comfort, peace, and freedom is, you know, again, going back to that nirvana, what is that? You pretty much become an entrepreneurial thinker and you start to gain all those characteristics. The reason I say that is because I believe these characteristics are all, are in all of us. They just may not be uh, awake yet. And, you know, it, it's like, it's like those things that are in the back of your closet that, you know, you know what I mean? That once you clean your closet out, you're like, oh, wow, look at that. I just found that. Right. <laughs> yes. So to me, I watch people, even in my own organization, once they're lit up to what they're after, they're like, Ken, get out of my way. Let me go do it. So I, I think the first step is figure out what you want figure out exactly precisely colorful vivid way to get that in front of you and then all those characteristics kind of come to life within you and you'll make whatever happen you know whatever you feel like you want to make happen you're going to make happen that's so cool and I, I and i think that's i think you're so right i think just as you start as it visualizes that this is what i like this is what i want to do and then Boom! You start thinking the way you need to think to make it happen, and 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 part of that, and I'm going to use that as a segue into something that you talk about, which is you have this this section where you talk about uh, you know five steps to achieving any goal. Um, could you could you talk about that? Because at some point, as you start getting those ideas, you're going to have to obviously set about making it happen. Well, yeah. I mean, the the first thing I do is I talk about this study from University of Virginia Tech where they they took a hundred people and they said, okay. Um, raise your hand if you have very clear goals in your life. And only about 20 of them did. The rest of them were just hopers, thinkers, and dreamers kind of people, right? So 20 out of 100 had some clear goals in their mind. Then they asked them, how many of you 20 actually write those goals down in a way that is very clear, like in a way that not only could you understand it? But if you showed it to somebody else, they could understand it too. And only four people admitted to writing those goals down. They asked one more question. How many of you four have those goals somewhere on your wall in your house right now? And only one said, I have that on my wall and I look at it regularly. So they determined that one out of a hundred people really visualizes their goals in a proper way, which is to get them in front of you so you can see them on a daily basis because your brain will tend to attract what it sees. So they also followed those people later in life and they found out that the 1% of those people earned eight times more money in their lifetime than the others. Now, you know, so if, if you're just getting to the point, Steve, where you're saying, I'm going to do this, then my step one is congratulate yourself because you, you now are thinking differently, much like, let's say, a smoker who wants to be a non-smoker. The only way that's going to happen is if they identify as a non-smoker. I'm, I'm just not a smoker anymore. It's just not going to happen. So step one is to congratulate yourself that you've come that far and to 
to really stamp yourself with a new me. Like I, I'm, I'm thinking in a whole different way now than I used to. I'm getting rid of all those old thoughts, those negative thoughts, those someday thoughts, and I'm going to make this really happen. So that's step one. Step two in my mind has always been to, again, like I said before, clearly identify the goal, write it down, draw it, color it, put it on a piece of paper, stick it on the wall, get it in front of you. And it's got to be something that wakes you up in the morning is like, that's what I want. That's what I'm going after. So that's step two is, is to really clarify what that might be. Step number three is, is pretty simple. You know, um, if, if you have, uh, let's say you have a goal that you want to go visit Italy and it's going to cost you uh, $5,000 to do that. Well, you have to make a plan for that. And the plan is simply a path. It could be, if I want to do it in a year, there's 52 steps. If I want to do it in two years, there's 104 steps. If I want to do it in three years, there's 156 steps, right? So you divide that 5,000 by whatever time frame you want because the goal is to make sure you're building it with certainty. Not maybe, not someday, but it's for sure going to happen. And when you lay that out, the only thing that changes is the time. So if I can afford to save $100 a week, I'm going in a year. If I can afford to save $50 a week, I'm going in two years and so on and so forth. That's the third step of really laying out the, the, the path to getting it done. The fourth step is the one that's probably the hardest for most, and that is going into your bank or your payroll clerk and saying, I need you to deduct this money out of my paycheck. I want you to hide it where I can't find it. <laughs> I don't want the debit card. I don't want the Visa card. I don't want anything. Just take this money and put it away because come hell or high water, I'm going to Italy in a year, right? So, at that point, you just got to kind of breathe and it's going to happen, right? You just have to kind of show up and it's going to happen. So the final step I think is, is an important one too. And that is, you know, it, I know for a fact that you're more likely to go to the gym at 630 in the morning if you have a buddy that's waiting for you at 630 in the morning. So for me, it was all about the diving board when I was a little kid. I remember the first time I dove off the 15 foot board, it seemed like it was a mile coming down that board. And it took me many, many times with all my friends encouraging me to go up there and do it. And I tried to chicken out several times and I looked down at them and they're all like, you got this man, launch yourself off that board. Nice. And so for me, sharing the goal with someone else was extremely important. And that's the fifth step. And I got to tell you, Steve, it's bulletproof. I mean, if you, if you lay out, if you do what I said, if you put your plan out there, assuming the goal is something you really want, this doesn't fail. It's, it's pretty solid. We use it here every day in, in our office. That's awesome. I freak, that is so cool. And you're right. I mean, I think that if you have that partner that's going to be helping you make sure you achieve it, that's just good stuff right there. Excellent. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Kent. I, I appreciate you talking about that. Yeah. One of the things I want to point out is that you have some awesome information at the end of your book in the appendices. In Appendix 1, possible paths that don't require college degrees, which includes potential salaries, and Appendix 2, successful people without college degrees. Could you share a little about why you include these sections? Well, first off, I wanted to open people's minds because... You know, they, they talked about, I think it was two years ago, the average salary of someone coming out of college was $50,000.
And um, so I wanted to compare that to all the jobs that are out there that you might not think of are non-college jobs, but they are and the money that you can make. And, and I only did that to just broaden someone's horizon because they're like, well, you know what? Maybe I could be a pilot or maybe I could be a, a this or a that. And and so I wanted to have that, that information there just to kind of, again, to kind of shock people into, wow, there's a lot more going on in this world than just what I'm being told right now. That was the first step. The other step was, there are a lot of really amazing people in this world that were either dropouts or never went to college or never even finished high school. A lot of really amazing people. And I thought to myself, I need to, I need to put those people out there so you can see all the folks out there that, you know, maybe we're not all going to be Bill Gates. I get that, but there certainly was a lot of amazing accomplishments from people that, uh, that never really got that, that, that plaque to hang on their wall. So I wanted to kind of just, again, kind of shock people into thinking, wow, there's a lot more to this than, than again, what I'm being told all the time. That's so cool. And it does it very well. I mean, you have, it's like, cool. I didn't know they made this. You're going through. And then, and then of course, like you said, then you have the list of people who, uh, oh yeah, there are a lot of people who, <laughs> who managed to do that. So good stuff. I, you know what? We're kind of we're getting close to finishing up, Ken. And before we close, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, where would you send them? Well, first off, you can go to my um, website. It's KenRusk.com. You can see what we're doing there. I have a lot of blogs and a lot of information there, a lot of great articles. We also have um, on Facebook, it's called Ken Rusk Official. And that's Facebook, Twitter and and, and, uh, Instagram. And what we're doing there is we're just constantly uploading content so you could see what's available out there whether it's industry notes or it's jobs that are out there or or just the, the overall kind of feel of the blue collar industry right now and we we get a lot of great comments from people who are tradesmen and, and tradeswomen that that um, have spent time in it and you know they're very proud of what they've done and and I am as well so they're very patriotic very proud people and I love that so yeah you can do that there you can buy the book on you know anywhere Amazon um, you know, I, I books Apple books you can buy it at um, Barnes and Nobles and all those places. Okay. Uh, don't forget to support your independent bookstores because that's important too. But um, I guess finally, one thing that I would want to say is that, you know, I, I have been very blessed and, and I'm, I'm forever grateful for, for what I've been able to accomplish um, with not having the schooling that a lot of people have. So when I did this project, I didn't do it to, to write a book to make money. So I donate all the proceeds of the book that I, uh, from that, that, that I get. Um, to one of a few great charities out there. And, uh, and so you just know that if you buy the book, you'll be helping somebody else at the same time, which is something I'm really proud of. That's awesome. And you should be, that's cool what you're doing. Awesome. Well done. I, I have two last questions, Ken, that I, I like to ask my guests. And one goes like this, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Well, it's, that's a, God, that's a great question, Steve. I, I, I just haven't run out of things to draw on my cardboard yet. I mean, there's just more nice. things that I want to accomplish. You know, I'm kind of a car guy and I love that. And, you know, I'm a sports guy and I'm it, it's always trying to improve my golf game. And so, you know, I like building things. So I'm, I'm still in the process of building buildings and, and, and that kind of thing. And to me, there's just always something to be chasing. You know, one of the things I, I always talk about is I think living a life of anticipation like you anticipate a vacation, you should anticipate everything in your life the same way you anticipate a vacation that might be six months down the road. And um, so, yeah, I haven't run out of things to get after yet. 
That's excellent. Excellent. I love it. Yeah. Last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh, yeah. I, I would have to say um, probably Mrs. Asdale in my second grade class because she was the one who helped me get through the bullying that I, I had when you probably read about in the book. When I was a young kid, I was horribly scarred up from a, a facial deformity that I had, a cleft palate, and went through a lot of surgeries and, and whatnot. And and she was always one that helped me get through the bullying because it was it was pretty tough back then. And and uh, I think from her, I learned that like humor pretty much, you know, decimates everything negative. And um, so I took that kind of from her to uh, to try to be uh, have a little more fun in life and to and to make people laugh. And, you know, it, it's something I really enjoy doing. And I think I think it's great medicine. So. Awesome. That's so cool. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for talking with me today. Blue Collar Cash, Love Your Work, Secure Your Future, and Find Happiness for Your Life is an awesome book. You have, an ama- you have amazing ideas for helping people find their path into work that they will love and wishing you all the best you do. Great to be with you, Steve. Thank you so much. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.